Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Don't Give Up Skeleton. I'm your host, Jeremy Greer. This week's guest is Anthony. Anthony is an experimental electronic musician with a huge love of the Souls games, uh, as you'll see when we get to the main part of the episode. Like I do with a lot of the musicians that are on this show, stay tuned after the credits for a sample of some of his work. You can also find links to all of that in the show notes. If you'd like to come onto the podcast, please go to www.don'tgiveupskeleton.com and find email addresses and Twitters and different various ways to get in touch with me. Thanks and enjoy the episode. So, um, do you have any questions about the show? If you've listened to a bunch, you've pretty much I've listened to so many. So I know that there are, <laughs> so spoilers are off the are fine. Everything mm-hmm. is every, spoilers are fine, and I know that we agree that the mocap probably screwed up Dark Souls too. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Uh, if you haven't played any of the games, let me know. Uh, uh, I have played all of the games. Awesome. I have played okay. at least a little bit of every Kingsfield. I have played a substantial chunk of shadow tower, but did not finish it yet. Uh, I've not played shower tower abyss and I've not played echo Knight. but I've uh, gone back. Cause uh, that's kind of how I am. Um, I'm the sort of kid who grew up like uh, a by metal band tape. And like, I'd look in their thanks list and then go buy the bands they thanked. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like looking up who your who your uh, favorite rapper's favorite rapper is and go and listen exactly. to them. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. That's like the catalog of stuff I like tends to be uh, you know, insert mediums artists, favorite mediums artist. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Sort of like that's where I try to that's just sort of where my interests end up whether it's like metal or movies or games. Uh what so, uh what brought you to the Soul series? Where did you start out at? Well, so let's see. So I think I first heard about it either on this punk message board that's like a secret board for DIY punks from the nineties who like now just argue with each other all the time. Uh and mostly know each other in real life. Or I heard about it on Select Button, uh, which was a spin-off of the insert credit forums. And uh in both places people were like really excited about this game that was like impossible and but but not not like i want to be the guy impossible but like achievable impossible and uh the select button had a podcast about it and i listened to it and it just caught my imagination because when i was a kid i had a mac plus and uh i played a bunch of rogue and dungeons of doom and wizardry and uh the early ultima games so uh i like Oh, and uh, what's that game? Uh, Scarab of Ra. So, like, mm-hmm. a bunch of these, like, terrifying uh, roguelike uh, dungeon crawlers is what I was doing in the 80s while, like, The Facts of Life was on TV. Uh, <laughs> like, I vividly remember playing Wizardry in my living room as a kid while my sister was watching Facts of Life in the same room. So, uh, I can't tell if that would make the game worse or the show better, but it's got to be one of those two. <laughs> I think, I think both. <laughs> Maybe both. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> um, so, <clears throat> if I cough a little bit too much, by the way, I'm, I think I'm getting a cold. So, <laughs> sorry about that. <laughs> oh yeah. Hopefully, I won't sniffle. I've got a bit of that going myself. Um, so I hear about this great new dungeon crawler, and 
like when I was a kid, I, I didn't really play a lot of D and D cause I didn't know enough other nerds. So like, but I read all the D and D books. Uh, so like, so everything people were saying about dark souls, like really caught my imagination. I think I'd heard of demon souls, but I hadn't, hadn't like, I didn't have a PS3 and I wasn't really paying attention to games in 09. I played like 24 shows in 09. So like I was just doing music a hundred percent of the time then. Jeez, uh, that's like I don't I've never toured, but like that's a lot of shows in one year, right? Yeah, well it's well it's either a lot or it's none. Like that's the thing. It's like <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I have the, I have a friend who like I like I don't I have a day job. I do quality assurance. I test software and hardware. Uh and I do that 40 40 or more hours a week. So the music is a hobby. Uh and so yeah, when it when it's a hobby, 24 shows was like something I like was trying to do. I was like, I'm going to play a show every other week this year. And I most I played like 18 shows in New York City. And I played some shows in Boston and and Baltimore. Um you know, but it was so it was a lot of work and it took up my pretty much my year was like I'm going to just work on music all the time. Uh and so I didn't even hear about Demon Souls, I think. Uh, but in 2011, I didn't play 24, th- 24 shows in that year. Uh, <laughs> so, so you had I time was, to breathe. <laughs> yeah, I had time to breathe and to relax. And, uh, you know, I tend to binge, binge and purge, which is going to be obvious with my experience with Dark Souls. I, I get, like, um, incredibly enthusiastic about things. I look up everything I can find out about them. Uh, I just absorb everything I can and uh, not exactly move on, but sort of like, okay, I can like focus on something else now. And uh, like Dark Souls just arrived at just the right time for me to be obsessed with something new. Uh, so I hear about this game. I hear like these descriptions of areas in the game and it just captured my imagination, set my brain on fire. And I was like, I've got to play this. Uh <laughs> but I didn't actually buy it until like February of 2012 okay. it, it, when it dropped to 40 bucks because it's a cheap state. I don't buy games new price. Uh, That's just probably a smart move it's, as opposed to buying games full price and then not playing them until they're discounted everywhere else like I do, which is a terrible, <laughs> terrible move. <laughs> yes, that is that is exactly like I, I definitely uh, I mean, as, as we'll see when once I know I love something, I go all in. But uh i have been tradition like i have always liked games i never didn't have a game console when i was a kid but uh in my early 20s uh when i was living on my own well, i had a roommate but uh, i had this realization i was like oh my god i'm an adult with a full-time job i can buy a dreamcast if i want um <laughs> uh, like it just had never literally literally never occurred to me to that day and then i was like oh the- duh uh, so I went and got a Dreamcast and that like uh, really like, you know, started my love affair with gaming uh, as more than just a casual thing. Um, and uh, but I've always been like two years. So catching catching Dark Souls like th- when like I think it was I think it was version 1.05, like when they finally had like fixed curse stacking. <laughs> So like uh, I missed the I missed the era when like everything gave you half the souls they give you now and curse stacked and the the magic magic shield would do infinite damage like that that and uh you know the iron flesh was like the easy way to win 
I missed that period, but I came in just as they kind of got the game as it exists now. Okay. Uh, before the DLC. And I did not know what I was doing, but I um, had read enough about it to not be discouraged. So I, uh, I played it like it was a survival horror game. And I'm pretty sure somebody had spoiled the Asylum Demon for me. So I knew to like run away from it. So because of that, I didn't die for two hours on my first play. I got, uh, I just was walking around everywhere, looking in every direction, uh, not taking a step without looking for a trap. Um, I had, I had like worked myself up into such a, uh, such an intense, like horror game mood that I, uh, got startled when I found the crow because I had forgotten that a crow had dropped me off. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, what is this giant crow? And I like, t- terrified of it, I backed away as quickly as I could. Like, you didn't have uh, any problems with the controls in the, in the um, asylum? Like, just trying to get used to the combat and like blocking and, and waiting to attack and stamina management, things like that? I don't think I understood any of that stuff, mm-hmm. but I... Uh, I like I guess I guess I must have approached it. I, I had been prepped with the idea that this was a game that gave back to you what you put into it. So I must have approached it with a with a exploratory mindset that allowed me to get through the asylum without without dying. Okay. And I I I feel like a lot of the the a lot of the asylum must have been spoiled for me. Like I feel like I must have known about the 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 uh boulder that falls down the, the stairs okay um but then so so i get two hours in i'm like i've got a full like resident evil terror going and then i fell off the aqueduct <laughs> like you do yeah because because gravity is the true boss gravity is the true boss um, of dark souls absolutely yeah uh so then I just died over and over and over again for a little while. Cause I was just like, okay, I, I died. I'm going to just, I'm just going to, now I'm going to approach this as a game. And, uh, and that I had a blast and I like the, 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 one of my uh, kind of like theses about dark souls is that it is a game that if you have the right mindset, it is fun as hell when you have no idea what you're doing. And mm-hmm. the magical thing is that it is also fun as hell when you know everything. And I am still having as much fun with the Souls games now as an expert with well over 500 hours, probably probably close to 1,000 hours com- across the entire series, If you're especially if you're counting Kingsfield. Um, like, it's still just as much fun as when I first bought it. And that's that's a remarkable thing. It's like it's like Tony Hawk Pro Skater or uh, or uh, Cave Schmups. Like it's just it's just endlessly fun, no matter the skill level. Um, it's it's a weird thing too because normally in games, like once you learn the systems and you kind of learn like how everything works, like the mechanics behind everything, like a lot of times that's when the world will fall apart. Like you start seeing through the the illusion that the game developers are trying to make. But with Dark Souls, like especially Dark Souls 1, the mechanics in the world are so, like, they, they complement each other so well that 
learning a mechanic is can actually like teach you something about the lore as well. Like it's really interesting. Like yeah, it's, oh, that it is, feels like a, it feels like is, lightning in the battle in a bottle. Yeah, that is the thing that's so exciting about it is, is, is as you play, you go, oh, they designed the story around the mechanics in a um, like it's it, the the death mechanic being the being the inspiration for the structure of the story is fantastic because mm-hmm. video games always have that kind of dissonance in the way that the narrative works because like you know like it's not like Nathan Drake got, died all those times you died yeah He's, yeah like it's with... just the successful path is the real path mm-hmm. whereas in and Dark Souls it's the way that works with the it, multiplayer and the notes and the ghosts that you see and the phantoms and everything like that just all of that stuff kind of weaves together and it's it, it, into the narrative of like there's a thousand chosen undead it's so good yeah oh it's I just uh, I, I'm uh, that's that's part of why it has its hooks in me so so much is that it's just um, everything works together in um a very satisfying way uh so i i my entire first run of dark souls was an incompetent person playing because i did not (laughs) understand i don't feel like i understood the mechanics of rolling and the mechanic i mean i did roll through the whole game but i rolled like a spaz like just 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 you know, hitting the roll like just to to save myself rather than timing it perfectly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't understand the mechanics of the game until I had to beat the Four Kings on New Game Plus, because that is when the difficulty hits a point where it's you got to either walk away or you have to understand the iframes, and uh, you have to understand that you need to recognize all of the patterns because you, because that's a DPS race. And if you aren't able to, if you do, if you aren't able to avoid wasting time healing, you're going to die because there's going to be four Kings on the screen at once. That fight is also interesting because um, you can, you can bring to bear so much of your knowledge of the mechanics. Like if that, if you know what poise is, like that fight can be right. very, very simple because all of a sudden you're not getting knocked around when they hit you. You're just spamming R1 and killing them and healing whenever you need to without getting, without being staggered. Or if you know, like, okay, magic resist. Like I know a lot of people that, you know, two hand their weapon, but when they, the four Kings brings out that magic attack, they switch over to the crush shield real quick because of the high magic resist. Like I, right. I really enjoy that. Like, and you don't need to know that, like that just helps. And if you go ask people for help for that fight, they'll ask you those questions and you'll be like, I don't even know what poise is, man. Like you got to start from the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's, go ahead. And, and you can, you can, you can kind of futz your way through the whole game until that on new game plus, which, at which point the game is, it, the the stakes are so high that it's it's uh it's just uh, a crucible i had a, there's a there's a whole bunch of moments like that in uh in dark souls were you put were you pretty good at picking up that like what the story was doing at that point like by the time you were going into new game plus like had you figured out item descriptions I, and and stuff like that i don't remember when i picked up on the story uh, but I do remember, like, I don't remember when I picked up on the story in terms of my play. I think after I beat New Game, I think I discovered Quaylog on YouTube. Uh, she was the first. She was the first person that I encountered that was doing lore stuff, and 
her and Ian B were the two people who were doing that really early on, like in, in like middle 2012. Um, and this is before Vadi, uh, or at least it's before I was aware of Vadi. And, mm-hmm. and Quaylog did a, did a bunch of deep dives on like, um, uh, you know, the whole, uh, funny enough, the Quaylog and Quilana and that whole family, she, she explained like who ceaseless discharge was and all of that stuff. And that's when I went, Oh my God, there's a whole other layer to this. It's not just a compelling dark fantasy, uh, aesthetic. It's actually a cohesive story. Uh, so I picked up on it probably after my new game. Okay. Um, and, uh, yeah, I had, I had really fun time with my first game when I didn't know anything that it was just a magical, (laughs) anything was possible. It, it, it was the it, Dark Souls was the first game to make me feel like when I was a kid, when like we would I would play Zelda at a friend's house, and they would just like tell me things that sounded like lies about <laughs> about like the mechanics. I remember vividly when I was a kid. I was on we were on a class trip somewhere, and this kid was telling me uh, about uh, that old skateboarding game Seven Twenty. Like he had this fantastical story about an extra level to 720 i'm pretty sure to this day that the kid was lying but uh the that sort of like playground rumors feeling i have not had that in decades um because no other game has given that sense of mystery that like uh like this there could be some crazy bullshit here um and so that was like one of the things that was so fun about the first playthrough was the uh, the just the sense the sense that anything could happen, which especially uh, after um, like going back to the asylum, yeah, is that's a, is like <laughs> that's a, a good moment. Yeah, uh, I think one of my favorite moments in my first playthrough was uh, the Capra Demon because I walked in, got slaughtered. And and noped out for another ten hours. I just went over to the to Dark Root. I was like, I do not understand what I'm supposed to do here. I'm going to go the other way. Um, I've talked about this before, but I, I did something similar with the gargoyles. Like I walked into the church, and the channeler was up there, and I was like, Well, I'm definitely not supposed to go up there anytime soon. And then literally, <laughs> like, did Dark Root, got into Blight Town, like killed Quaylog, rang the second bell, and then was like, Let me go check that that weird magic guy. <laughs> and then just like steamrolled the gargoyles because you know at that point like my weapons and stuff were upgraded and like remember going online and going like hey i just beat the gargoyles that you guys were talking about that it was like so difficult like these guys were easy like what are you you doing not realizing i'm 40 levels too high for that fight (laughs) (laughs) that is that is fantastic um i ended up really liking the the capra demon people I another one of my things about Dark Souls is that that there's there are these things that people complain about about the games, and I feel like the Dark Souls threads this needle where part of why it's so compelling is it has these sticking points that are so annoying, and so uh, so people complain about the Capra Demon and they they complain about like oh there's just one way to kill it and it's there's really like six ways to kill him because you can use hidden, you can use hidden body 
and not aggro the dogs. And you can you can throw fireballs over the fence and kill him before you go through the fog wall. And you can tank him with a high stability shield, or you can cast magic shield on your on your shield if you're a wizard, and then you have a high stability shield to deal with him. So there's all these different ways to approach this seemingly impossible boss that everybody you know walks through and dodges to the right to avoid the dogs goes into that little thing runs around him goes up the stairs right so that's mm-hmm. like everybody seems to think that's the way to kill him but there's really so many different approaches um and capra is where i finally understood understood uh shield stability because that was that was a impossible fight for me without without figuring out that you have to be able you can't just tank a hit with a shield up you have to tank a hit and be able to tank how hard the hit is. Um, yeah, just like the, you know, it's a it's a poise stability check. Just like the, you know, four kings will teach you that later. But like here, if your shield isn't upgraded, like you're not going to have a high stability and you're not going to do well with this fight unless you, you know, approach it from a different angle like you were saying. Yeah, exactly. Like it's, uh, uh, that's, it's one of those things where, where, when you go through it the first time, you think there's one solution, but if you go through with a different build, the second time you go, oh, I, I see how this game accommodates multiple play styles. Uh, so, so ultimately, I beat Dark Souls eight times. Uh, <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. I love hearing that from people. Like, there's something about like hearing that someone went through it like eight different ways and like got satisfaction out of every single way. Like, it's so good. Like, that's so much fun. Yeah. Oh, and my last, I, one of my last playthroughs was a uh, was a melee only Balder side sword run, where I decided that I wanted to I wanted to solo every boss, and I wanted to avoid using the Ring of Favor and Protection, and uh, I managed to beat everything in the game except for Calamite without the Ring of Favor and Protection, but I caved. <laughs> Sadly. <laughs> But you got to understand the thing with the the Balder side sword and Calamity. There's no overhead attack. Is, <laughs> is your lock on? Is is you're going to just be stabbing empty air? Yeah. And I needed I needed that extra percentage of margin of error. Um. <laughs> uh. I never I never got actually like legitimately good at speed running, but I have been able to kill Ornstein and Smo in two hours. That's good. So, that's super fast. Yeah. yeah, that's good. I I learned the path to the Gravelord Sword. Uh, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Pick yeah, up the Eye of Death, the- run down there, you drop into the catacombs, like do the little quick shortcut thing. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, so I did the I learned the Gravelord Sword run, and uh, and then I I killed ONS in like maybe two hours, twelve minutes, like that, uh, wearing no armor. <laughs> <laughs> I've tried to do it again, and it is not easy. It was it's as much luck as anything for me at my skill level. Um, so I didn't understand humanity. This is probably a common refrain. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had no idea how the summoning rules worked. And so I figured out that you had to be human in order to have signs but I didn't know you had to, you didn't have to be human to put down a sign. So I was in the demon ruins and I desperately needed, uh, I, 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 I desperately wanted to, uh, um, 
I, it was either I needed more humanity or I needed more souls or something. I wanted to level up or, and I kept putting my sign down, but I kept going human for it. And this, this person repeatedly invaded me, uh, <laughs> wearing, they were wearing the claws, like just repeatedly invading me because I'm some idiot who keeps going human because in I the demon think, ruins. yeah, in the demon ruins, <laughs> Like it all, you know, like surrounded by Capras. There's nowhere to I, I run. I just have to ask: Was this on 360? This was on 360. Was this you? <laughs> I did. I did a lot of invading in the Demon Ruins with my claw bills. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I'm not saying it was me, but I, I do have a claw bill that I, and I I hung out there for a while because it was just an interesting place to invade. Like it was. Oh my god! Finding people it's at that bonfire, not, not knowing what was going on, was was always a good time. Oh boy, that I I got so pissed off. It was really <laughs> really funny. I got like so legitimately angry, and then I was like, "Wait a second, this is a video game." <laughs> yeah, I, I probably I probably should calm down. I don't know if you sent me a, <laughs> if you sent me a horrible message, we can go look it up on Dark Souls Haters. <laughs> I did not send any horrible messages. I'm I actually I did a little bit of PvP, and I had this experience where I was in the forest. And there was this group of people who ganked me. And then, like, 15 minutes later, I ended up ganking the same person. And they sent me a hate mail about ganking. And I was like, you just did the same. I, I, you just did that to me. <laughs> like, like, I know you are a hypocrite because I recognize your screen name. Yeah. Uh, it people is get mad about video games, man. It's hilarious. Yeah, it's hilarious, but it's also astonishing to me that Microsoft and Sony... I mean, I, I don't actually know on Sony. I've never had a hate mail on, on PSN. Um, but it is astonishing to me that they don't just automatically filter uh, messages from strangers that have curse words in them. Like, it's, yeah, you, would, you would think there would be some kind of filtering in place, just with like some basic language rules, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, like, you know... It's just it's just a an astonishing lack of like uh, social design to allow total strangers to send you hate mail with hate speech in it. Yeah, um, and it doesn't bother me too much, but it does bother me that it exists because it does bother other people. And like, like, uh, yeah, it just it's just. It's just weird that, that like t- Twitter needs to revise their whole thing too while we're at oh, it, right? God. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I, I don't want to camp out on uh, Dark Souls one for too long because there's a bunch of other games in this series, and it's and it's very rare that I get somebody that uh, has actually played some of the Kingsfield stuff. So I want to get into some of that. But like from Dark Souls one, you played it in 2012. Like at that point, like a couple, you're about a year away from Dark Souls two coming out. Like, did you follow the release of Dark Souls two, and were you like super excited for it, or did you go backwards oh at that point and go to Demons? Like, where'd you go after DS one? So I okay, so I beat Dark Souls one in 80 hours. And then I did a new game plus immediately in 40 hours uh, because and like I blazed through and then I got stuck so hard on the four Kings. Like that was like half a week or a week of like I come home from work. I play it for two hours and nothing, no progress. Uh, Then I beat that. Then I immediately played Demon Souls. And I tried to I took the advice that I saw from people, which was go into Demon Souls blind, except but look up how the weapon upgrades work, because that's too obtuse. Yeah. So advice for that game. (laughs) Yeah. So especially like if you've already played Dark Souls, you can play Demon Souls without knowing anything. Uh, It's got a couple little gotchas like uh, item encumbrance, but uh, it's the same game pretty much. 
and you just need to look up the weapon upgrades because that's just bonkers. So I played that. I think I played as a royal, uh, which is the easy path, but uh, had a blast with that. Um, and then I think I played. I well, real, real I, I remember playing demons. the DLC. Real, real the, quick on demons, I'm, I'm just curious, um, like because I know you and I have talked on Twitter. I know you're kind of a horror movie buff. Yeah. Like, did did that horror movie kind of... Because Demons is much more, like, horror-focused, I think, than Dark Souls is. Like, Dark Souls is more kind of light fantasy. But, like, Demons has, like, like all of World 3, basically. All of Latchery is so crazy. Oh, did yeah. that really resonate with you? Like, that had to have, like... You well, had to be, like, freaking say, out, right? I have, like, weird opinions of base. You know, like... like um, I think Upper Blight Town is the best area in the, in the series. Uh, I love the Valley of Defilement. Uh, like just that atmosphere, the sheer atmosphere of walking around that that terrible swamp. Uh, I I just I'm I just adore it, and the psychedelic horror of when you reach the ground in three two, that is uh, a highlight for me. That those those splattery bright purples in this incredibly dark territory with all those like insect men, that's uh, genius. So yeah, the horror the horror vibe in Demon Souls is fantastic, and I and I really like when that shows up in the other games. Um, Me but they too. haven't done that kind of psychedelic, that psychedelic horror before uh, since, which is a disappointment to me. Like even even Bloodborne doesn't get as crazy as that. Those uh, it's like a horror blacklight. Um, if you know yeah. what I mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Like the just like. There's something about the art style in Demons, like even though it's relatively low res compared to anything that's come since, like it's just it's really affecting. Like you can see it, and you kind of just get genuinely creeped out at it. And that and like you look at something like Shrine of Storms, and it's not like a horror movie, but it's just like an it's like a capital O other, right? Like you just like you know right. you're not in a place for humans. <laughs> like this, I don't belong here at all. <laughs> yeah, the um, in general, the whole Soul series. Uh, one of my favorite things about it is that it manages to do all of this horror tropes and horror atmosphere uh, without ever accidentally being edge lordy. Like uh, it, the I mean, the final final chalice boss of Bloodborne should be a fall on your face edge lord tryhard thing because it's it is if you take it out of context, it's such a ridiculous thing that you're fighting. The pregnant woman uh, who slits her wrist yeah, and her blood hurts. The pregnant yeah. woman slits yeah. her wrist with a crying baby. <laughs> that should be a disaster. That should be like a poor taste disaster. And instead, it's like, yes, this is this is of course this is the boss of this game. This makes perfect sense. This is the like when once you're once you're at that point, you have all of this context that allows them to do this thing that should be in poor taste, and instead it actually works. And that's one of the one of the things that makes me such a fan is that they are uh i don't think anything they're doing is cheap they they're earning they're earning what they're doing uh it's that it's that whole thing with the i mean everybody refers to this but the art book interview where he says about the the dignity of the um the rotted dragon instead of going for gross let's go for a uh let's go for a, a quiet dignity and a sad dignity and i feel that 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 sort of allows them to go to places which would feel cheap in other games agreed 
So after Demons, you went to the DLC and then to Dark Souls I went, 2? Yeah. Well, I went to the DLC uh, and I played... I beat the... Um, oh, what the heck is it called? The first boss you fight. It's got the lion face. Oh, the, the Sanctuary wings. Guardian. Sanctuary Guardian, yeah. So the Sanctuary Guardian... I beat that with a level 60 character with just like a, a with a plus 15 long sword with no buffs. And it was one of it, it was at the time it was one of the hardest things I'd ever done. Because uh, it just like it's just it was just a perfect, perfect uh, inflection of my skill level and difficulty. And when I when I beat that boss, I like put the controller down and jumped around the room yelling, yes. <laughs> <laughs> luckily luckily my wife thinks this is cute uh so <laughs> god, god bless all of you dark souls wives out there i'm so sorry yeah. on behalf of the community i'm so sorry for having to put up with your idiotic husbands <laughs> love dark souls so much <laughs> so so i uh so after after the dlc um before dark souls 2 i played through as many of the kingsfield games as i could get my hands on and they have weird controls, but I played them on a, on a, uh, I played. Uh, okay. So they have that situation, like the final fantasy thing, which most people don't just acknowledge. They just say Kingsfield when they really mean Kingsfield too, but it was called Kingsfield in America. And so I feel awkward because there isn't a convention for this to clarify, but I have played the original, original Kingsfield on my okay. Mac as a, as a, as a translation patch. Uh, but uh, I've I've touched on Kingsfield one and I've touched on Kingsfield three, but I've played to completion Kingsfield two and Kingsfield the Ancient City. Okay, and they do have weird controls, but I found do they? <laughs> yeah, so they have control. Like, here's the thing: it's like these games are a lot of a lot of these games are like they're going to meet you halfway. If you give if you give them what they want from you, you get so much back, and that holds up for Kingsfield, even though it's from like '96 or '95, even. Um, and the original Kingsfield launched, it shipped in Japan two weeks after the PlayStation shipped for the first time. So they're working with, there are no analog sticks and it's a 3d game with no analog sticks. And if you keep that in mind, when you play the game, you go, okay, I see why they had to do this bonkers thing where they have the, the, the buttons and triggers are the up, look up, look down and sidestep, sidestep. Yeah. So it took me about two hours. (laughs) It's weird at first, but the the thing the 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 good news that I bring and to sing from the mountaintops is that after about two hours of struggling with this, it will make so much sense and it just works and it is fine and uh, I can I just I just blaze through like by the by the end of Kingsfield two I was practically speed running it to get from area to area. Uh, you just figure out exactly how to how the movement works, and it's it's great. Uh, I would love them to reissue them with the with modern controls, but it is possible to get used to them and have them feel like feel as comfortable as modern control. That is that is uh, uh, that is my message to the people on that topic. Uh, <laughs> so for so for those out there that don't know, like the the Kingsfield series was what From with Software was doing before Dark Souls, and um, it's notably before Miyazaki came on board. And Miyazaki gets a lot of credit for Demons, and he gets a lot of credit for Dark One, and you know Bloodborne, and all of that. But um, going back and playing the, and I, I've just to be clear, I've never played a lot of this stuff. Like I've watched a lot of it, but I haven't played a lot of it. Uh, I get I get very frustrated with the controls, even though I've tried several times, like and, t- and tried to take your advice of. 
you know, spend some time with it. Just never got, never clicked. So I was always dying all the time. But the the games yeah. themselves kind of show off like some very early like soul stuff, and it's really interesting what's there. Like that people might give Miyazaki credit for, but um, but it's also interesting like what changed. Like the modern, the latest Kingsfield games have like guns in them. Like I think at the end of that game, you're running around with a grenade launcher, and like there's music oh, no, throughout yeah, and Shadow Tower, Shadow Tower, yeah. Um, and there's music throughout the levels, which doesn't exist in any of the Dark Souls levels. But the music is really good. Like I think the, the music, music really in Kingsfield. Good is better than any most of all of the soundtracks of the main souls games <laughs> i yeah i'm a big fan of the kingsfield soundtrack my wife gives me shit about the the slime the seinfeld slap bass uh yeah the kingsfield <laughs> 2 has this like really epic track that's that you're like yeah i'm in a dungeon it's so great and then this seinfeld bass line comes in and it is it is really funny <laughs> um, it's really good but that's the thing is that, that one of the funny one of the one of the are the, the there are two gripes to have with Dark Souls three? There there are two gripes that pretty much everybody can acknowledge. These are reasonable gripes to have. Poise, enough said, and too many callbacks. And the funny thing is, if you go back and you play every From Software game, you realize the callbacks are just a thing that that From does, and the reason that dark souls itself was so fresh for so many of us is that from software is a niche company that that before dark souls had never had a breakout hit. And so if you go back and you play, uh, I, I have a Tumblr that's mostly neglected these days, but I have a Tumblr, uh, age of fire.tumblr.com. And I took some screenshots of, uh, of Kingsfield for the ancient city. And that it looks straight up like dark souls Two. There's there's a hallway with statues, and you're like, I know these statues are going to come to life, and they do. <laughs> of course, and, yeah. <laughs> um, and there are there are fire levels and ice levels, and there are one of the um, the firekeeper from Firelink Shrine in Dark Souls One is pretty much a character from. Uh, I mean, visually, aesthetically. Mm-hmm. Is the same character in Shadow Tower Abyss. I've seen a screenshot of that. There are uh, there are like Quaylog beta characters in uh, in Shadow Tower One. There are uh, just just so much stuff that that is just these are from trademarks. And uh, whereas I mean Dark Souls Three does like lean into hey you guys loved Sigmire right, uh, which which is a little different than just aesthetic callbacks. Um, but it's it's part of their DNA. There's there are, Kingsfield two or Kingsfield in America is um, has Dark Souls level design. There is a point in that game where I fell through a hole in the ceiling and I found a save spot and I was like, oh thank God I found a save spot because I have no idea where I am. And I poked my head out of the I saved and I poked my head out of the, the that hallway and I realized, oh my God, I'm back where I was. And it was exactly like the the um, the upper berg kicking the ladder to find the first bonfire. Uh, so that that kind of interconnected design exists in Kingsfield and Ancient City. It's not so much in Kingsfield Three or the the original Kingsfield, and it's also present in Shadow Tower. I haven't played Abyss, so I don't know. Um, so they've they've been doing that since their inception because Kingsfield is their first game. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it do, it isn't just it is like I mean oh 
geez, the, the fan reaction to Dark Souls 2 is understandable, but also so intense that I'm pretty much tired of people's reactions. Uh, it's it's it was ridiculous at the time, and um, it's it, the longer you're the longer you you get away. Excuse me, the farther you get away from Dark Souls 2 release date, um, the, I think the more the kinder that everyone is being to it. Especially now that Dark yeah. Souls 3 came out and people are realizing like, hey, Dark Souls 1-2 isn't exactly what we wanted. Maybe we actually wanted like Dark Souls in a kind of a totally different continent world, whatever, like that just had small tiebacks to it. Um, yeah, I, th- I think that Dark Souls 2 is a game where I feel like it has some deal breakers. The controls straight up feel weird. If you play it directly after any of the other games, they feel weird. I say this oh, as man. someone who has platinumed it both times. Like, I've platinumed it on the PS3 and I've platinumed Scholar. I have no problems playing that game unless I just was playing Bloodborne or Dark Souls. Because there's something there's something just off. It's like they rewrote that code and they didn't need to. I loaded um, up uh, Scholar the other night because um, one of the Duck Feed guys, Dennis, was uh, he was fighting Fume Knight. And having a lot of trouble, and I was like, yeah. "Oh, I'll I'll just jump in and help you out with Fume Knight real quick," not realizing like my character and Scholar was in New Game Plus with absolutely no bonfires, <laughs> so I couldn't get in there. But just <laughs> loading up the world and being like, "Oh wow!" Like this just changed. Like because I just played Bloodborne and I just gotten finished with the Dark Souls three DLC, and like it just feels so significantly different. I don't have issues going between Bloodborne and Dark Souls, except every once in a while. I try to like heal by hitting triangle, which that's not, that doesn't happen in dark souls, but dark souls two feels dramatically different to me and not particularly in a way that I like, which is again, I've, I've come to, I've come around on yeah. the story. I didn't appreciate the story at first, but there's some really like mechanical stuff in dark souls two that I just, it just feels weird. Like I like it. Like it's a great game. Like the, you know, I keep saying, I, I've said this before, but like yeah, it's, yeah. it's, I still put like 200 hours into that game on release. Like, it's not like I don't like it. So just to, you know, but yeah. It's, yeah. it definitely totally, feels dramatically totally different than the other ones. I feel like dark souls two uh, had a tortured development cycle. And it's clear because the, the art, the art book talks about how they had to, um, they had to start over from from almost from scratch halfway through. Like the story was not coming together. They changed directors halfway through. They also had that whole lighting system that they tore out at the last second because it was only it was was doing like ten frames a second on on the PS3 and 360. So they had to tear out the lighting at the last second, and that put a lot of sour feelings into the water. Uh, and there are just there are just design decisions that are baffling to me, but there are design decisions that are baffling to me in every of the Souls games. The bit where the where great swords and rapiers ignore your lock on drives me bonkers because my favorite <laughs> my favorite end game build in Dark Souls Two is a great sword and a rapier. The 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 character I play when I'm playing at 120 is I have a great sword and a rapier because with those two you have all the kinds of crowd control you need. You have crowd control and you have uh, tight corridor control. Uh, so that's my that's my preferred build. And both of them suffer from that thing where it ignores the lock-on. And it only seems to do that in situations where it's going to kill me. If, it doesn't, if I don't land this hit, I'm going to die. Um, so that, that drives me nuts. But I have a great story about my first playthrough in Dark Souls 2. I managed to break a weapon before I had unlocked the blacksmith. 
<laughs> that's that's probably if you miss the key, which is pretty easy to miss. Like absolutely, yeah. you could do that. Yeah, and I, you know, people are like, "Oh, I hate durability," and I'm like, "I love durability. I think Dark Souls Two got durability right. I, durability in Dark Souls One is this thing you forget about until it royally screws you, and I don't like that. I like that in Dark Souls Two your durability actually matters. Like either make it matter or take it out of the game is my stance. Um, and I think that the, the having durability automatically f- refresh at bonfires and giving you three item slots to hold three weapons. So you can always have a dagger in the third slot as your backup for, I broke my weapon cause I'm an idiot. Like that was a perfect balance of tension from that mechanic for me. And uh, I, don't uh, you know like dark souls 3 sort of does tries to be a tries to be a compromise between those two the other two and i think that it sh- i think things shouldn't last as long as they do if you're going to have that mechanic because mm-hmm. i feel like there should be you should need repair powder uh yeah you know like it, it should be there there should be some give and take i feel uh, the other thing i don't like about dark souls 2 is that i feel like it has a lack of confidence in itself and I think that this comes down to the rushed the rushed cycle because mm-hmm. it has interesting mechanics like the the new way that curse works. But then they're like in Scholar, they're like, oh, you hate curse? Well, here's this helmet that has nine 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 curse resist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so there's there's all these things that they do that are like clever, but then they undermine them be like, oh, maybe people won't like this. Actually, and... I kind of I kind of dig that helmet though, but just because of what you have to do to get it, like you have to like unite all three crowns, you have to talk to Avenger. Like it's kind of a big story moment. Um, oh no, not that one. Oh. Not that one. I mean, <laughs> yeah, this, this is the thing. I don't mean that one. That one be acceptable because that one only you only get that in the end game. Mm-hmm. The the one I'm talking about is the wizard is the the witch set that has the 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 it's dark blue or black and it covers your entire face. That oh, that helmet. I didn't know that was. I didn't know that had that, that high of a curse resist. Yeah, it has like nine 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 curse resist. It it makes curse not matter. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah, that does that, that does kind of like is like. Well, why do you even have curse in the game if you're going to give somebody an option just to remove it entirely, basically? Right. It's 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 that kind of lack of confidence in the um in design decisions that sort of. I think that it spills out of Dark Souls Two. Just has too much stuff in it, and. If I could curate the best aspects of Dark Souls 2, it would be probably 35% shorter, and it would be 100% better. Um, <laughs> the game is a little too long. Like when we yeah. did, um, when I did the uh, worst areas episode of Bonfire Side Chat with Gary, I made a spreadsheet of every area across all of the Souls games. I just pulled stuff from the wiki and like. There's like twenty some some odd areas in most of the games. Like Demon Souls is a little light, but uh, Dark Souls Two has like forty five. Like, and just going with title card <laughs> areas only. <laughs> yeah, like it's, it's, just, it's, it's just it's just crazy. And it's got it's got severe pacing issues because, and, and it's got severe pacing issues that lead to people hating on bosses that would be a good idea if you met them earlier. Um, the covetous demon. I, I, I in my string of uh, controversial opinions that I have about Dark Souls. Covetous Demon is a great boss that you meet 20 hours later than you should. Yep. Because uh, if you go there first, if that's the first thing you do in Dark Souls 2, 
and you get eaten by that guy and you are dodging around the room trying to find openings to put your equipment back on, that is one of the tensest and most fun, bizarre uh, subversions of a typical boss fight because you're fighting with the menu. I love it yeah, so that, much. Like that it, getting hit with that to grab attack was one of the best things that ever happened to me. I, I laughed until I literally died. Like, I don't even think I'd moved around. I was like, Oh, I see what happened. And this is fucking hilarious. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's fantastic. That, that happened to me. Um, on like, I, I, I did a run where I sped there. It's like, I'm going to do this thing first. And I had a, I had a fight with the covetous demon where, because I wasn't over leveled when I hit him, he lived long enough to catch me at the grab attack once, and then I spent the rest of the fight putting my clothes back on and getting a weapon, and and I won, and it was fantastic, and it was one of the most memorable things that's happened to me in a Dark Souls game. But because of the because of the pacing, the most people never have that experience. Most people just run in and poke him to death because he's super weak to piercing. People uh, complain, um, like that's another thing that you can. Going back to Dark Souls 1, like, you can look at uh, Pinwheel and, and kind of feel like the same way, right. right? Like, Pinwheel is a boss that everyone's like, oh, it's so easy. But, like, it feels just kind of that you just get to him too late. If you go in to Pinwheel early to try to get, like, early um, Rite of Kindling, then that right. actually can be kind of a difficult fight. Like, but if you don't kill him before he start, starts, like, spawning multiple copies of himself and shooting fireballs, like... That can get kind of hairy. <laughs> like, not to yeah. say pinwheel is hard, but you just see you get him. You get to him so late, like you're probably level like sixty or seventy by the time you get there, and you just wreck him. Yeah, absolutely. I think there are little balance issues some some places. Um, but yeah, I, I I we're probably running out of time, so we should probably skip over to Dark Souls three. Sure. Uh, which I was so. I hate Namco. Like, <laughs> hate, hate. They don't understand. I don't care about spoilers for most games, but I do care about mechanical spoilers in Dark Souls games. Uh, sure, because because the way that I approach these games now that I, now that I'm a now that I'm a veteran of these games and and know the mechanics inside out, um, I every time I play a new game, I play it offline. I play it solo. No, so no messages, no summoning. That's how I played Bloodborne. In fact, I got I, I got a tip on Neogaf that a New York store was selling Bloodborne a few days early, and I and a friend of mine was coming into town from Ohio to play a gig, and I was so excited about Bloodborne that I drove into New York City, into I drove into Harlem, bought a copy of Bloodborne, drove back to Nyack, which is about about forty five minutes north of Harlem. Uh, drove back to Nyack, played Bloodborne for three hours, and then drove to Brooklyn to see my friend who's playing playing a show. Because <laughs> I couldn't wait, I had to do it, and I had to, and I had to see my friend. So, uh, so I played Bloodborne before it came out uh, by like three days, and so I fought the Blood Starved Beast like thirty times because I had no one to ask for for any strategic help. I ran. I ran out of uh, fire paper. Uh, I ran out of antidotes, uh, and I didn't have any. There was no help. There was no help to be had. So that was fantastic. It was. It made that boss uh, seem like, oh man, Bloodborne's going to be so difficult. And then it turned out that was the hardest thing in the game for me. Um, 
until maybe Abritus. Oh, uh, man, fuck a Oh, I love a Breedus. Oh, I, I mean, I do now. Where I'm like... but, but, but just then, like, was <laughs> like it was such a weird thing. And I'm, I, I probably have told the story. I don't remember, but like, I looking at my Twitter, I was everyone was doing that thing when Bloodborne came out, is doing like boss name acronyms, acronyms. And so, like, I was putting on like, oh, you know, uh, EDOC is really recommending. Everybody on my Twitter feed was like, no, man, she was super easy. Like, all you had to do was just hit her in the head, and da 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 da. And I'm like. Yeah. Man, like that, she doesn't do that often. I don't know what you guys are talking about. And then finding out later that apparently everybody but me had that AI glitch where she only did the head slam move, and like I was the only one fighting her for real. It felt like <laughs> fuck, Abritus. <clears throat> I I did not encounter that glitch because I either heard about it or I was just powering off my system. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Bloodborne got Bloodborne released like the week that patch came out, so they had no time to test they're you know with the sleeping yeah um though on the other hand i mean some streamers caught it in real time by just playing for 12 hours straight so uh i'm a qa guy i have a lot of sympathy for people who have to test software uh thankfully i'm not a video game qa guy i don't have to play the same level a hundred times uh i just choose to when it's dark souls Uh, (laughs) um but yeah. Oh, I, I lost the plot. What was I going to say? Yeah, Sorry, I, we were talking. We got distracted. We were talking about um, how you hate Namco because <laughs> we were. I'm guessing because of oh, the lead God, up to the yeah. the Dark Souls let's, three. Let's, yeah, let's tackle Bloodborne and Dark Souls three at the same time and say that the contrast between how Sony and From handled promoting Bloodborne and how Namco promoted Dark Souls. It's uh, uh, as someone who cares about these games as, in a sense as literature as art and like respect has a deep respect for the work that went into them and am interested in them as as a story and as a a, a a gaming experience i found the way that namco handled the release of dark souls 3 to be uh disrespectful uh and i mean they're gonna do what they're gonna do to make the most money that they can you know like uh like I mean, Disney put the or Marvel put the like the climactic scene in Civil War is in the first trailer with the like the with Bucky and Cap and Iron Man fighting. And if I had seen that for the first time in the theater, it would have made my jaw drop. But it's like by the time I saw it in the theater, it's like oh hey, this is the final fight in the movie. Okay, good, thanks. Yeah. Um. So I know they're trying to make money, like it's a business, but I just I just went like as cold turkey as I could to avoid every every trailer for um for dark souls because for dark souls 3 because i just i just didn't want any of it and then they're like shoving it in my face and they're like hey it's firelink shrine and i'm like thanks guys <laughs> like i didn't really want to know that i mean on the other hand like i'm not really happy with the fire it being called firelink shrine to begin with so like that's like you know it's something bad about dark souls 3 in my opinion that it's got unnecessary callbacks and that's like one of the ones where it's like, why is this called the same thing? Um, it's really like, it's really not only were, was the marketing handled totally differently. I feel like the stories in Bloodborne and Dark Souls 3 were handled totally differently. Like yeah. Dark Souls 2 kind of has a, a relatively self-contained story or actually like a, a bunch of self-contained short stories would be probably more accurate. Like yeah. Bloodborne has a self-contained story. Dark Souls 3 is so riddled with like, reminding the player that they had played dark souls one 
and it and it which is fine like that kind of fan service can work for a lot of people i've had people on the show that are like oh my god absolutely like i didn't play dark souls 2 i went straight from one to three and i love it and you know a lot of that stuff i really enjoyed like the whole seaward line plot line i'm really kind of into and that seems to be one of the more egregious examples for a lot of people but like stuff like Andre and Firelink. I just look at it as like the classic, like you didn't do anything with it. Like if you're going to remind me that I played the game, like do something more than just remind me. (laughs) Like if you're going to put him there, make him do something. And they didn't, which is kind of a drag. Yeah. That, that, that is one of the bits of unnecessary fan service that I don't like. Um, But I, I like Sigurd mostly. I don't think, I think Sigurd would made a, I think that storyline would have been just as good if he hadn't been a callback. But um, I did kind of enjoy the subversion of the Sigmire plot and have, you know, show us somebody from Katarina who succeeds. That was kind of interesting. Um, I I just, so I, I had to, uh, the, the, the thing where it launched in America two weeks after Japan was not something I could handle because, <laughs> because, and I'm glad I did because I would have been spoiled on Anne Orlando if I hadn't gotten the game. I have, so that secret punk message board that I mentioned earlier, my, a friend of mine from there lives in Japan and he went to a Seven Eleven and got me uh, PSN cards. So I didn't have to go through a reseller. So it saved me a, a bit of money. Um, and so I set up a Japanese account and I bought, I, I downloaded Dark Souls 3 uh, that way. And I played it in Japanese offline. And it was it was fun to play it that way. It was really, it gave me a bit of that, I have no idea what's going on feeling that I had from the first time I played Dark Souls. So it was nostalgic in that regard. Um, and it allowed me to play the game on my own terms with uh, as with as few spoilers as I could manage, um, I did get spoiled that Anne Orlando was an area, but after I had already seen the pa- the room with the paintings, that basically tells you that that's happening. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, okay, thank God that I saw this information just after I had found like I was was in Ithril, uh, <laughs> um, and I've I kind of I played through the game, I beat it. Um, I know you didn't, I know you were like tired and didn't, uh, didn't enjoy the solo cinder, mm-hmm. uh, music callback, but I got to say that like, just as like to, to go to Marvel again, if Captain America doesn't lift Mjolnir in infinity war, uh, I'm going to be disappointed. Like, this is like a thing that, that obviously needs to happen. Captain America has to lift the hammer, mm-hmm. uh, and like maybe, maybe dies lifting the hammer to do something to save people. Right. Like that's, that's a thing I want to happen if they're, if they're doing a culmination of the series. And that was what I wanted to happen as the culmination of dark souls three. If dark souls three is really uh, we're going to leave this alone for a long time. Uh, and we're going to wrap it up for now. What I wanted was I wanted the final boss to be Gwen and I wanted that music to kick in. And when that music kicked in, swear to God, I teared up. Um, <laughs> This is just perfect. Like when I when I fought that boss and realized, holy shit, I'm fighting every invader I had in Dark Souls One. That was a, I thought that was a genius move. To uh, th- I mean, there's like playing it over and over again. There's some mechanical quibbles I have, but the the idea that this boss is going to jump between four or five of the most common types of 
invaders I had in Dark Souls 1 was just I just thought that was super inspired and that it then then took took on the persona of Gwen and the music kicked in it was exactly what I wanted the, the, how the game to end and so uh I was very satisfied that they had done the right thing uh and that's that's a callback that worked for me enormously so I'm not I'm not a, opposed to the callbacks I just think they did maybe three too many yeah <clears throat> I guess to to wrap us up, like like looking back, like you've put you said almost like over five hundred hours into these games, like yeah, what do you like? Because dark, I've been on record for as Dark Souls changing my life pretty significantly. Which every time I say it, it gets dumber in my head, but it never <laughs> doesn't make it less true. <laughs> uh, like I'm I'm doing this, and like I'm I'm getting to meet a bunch of people that I would have never like talked to ever. Um, so like. When you look back at the 500 hours and five games, not counting all of the Kingsfield stuff, like how do you, like do you think those games changed you in some way? Um, I don't know if they changed me, but they're definitely uh, it's definitely a big part of of my last five years, and I definitely feel like an emotional resonance in those games. In that, um, I'm sort of a pessimistic person. I uh, don't really, I I would like to be wrong about how apocalyptic I think the world is at the moment. Uh, But I think that we're in a pretty bad place uh, internationally. And I feel like uh, Dark Souls is sort of a, a series that sort of has this sort of optimism in the face of apocalypse feeling that uh, really resonates and uh, I think that's part of why I like it so much. It just it's just sort of like this like uh, endless drive to achieve in the face of impossible odds. Um, that really resonates. And also like I've made friends through it, and uh, like I've gotten I, and I've also gotten friends of mine hooked on it, and now they like talk to me about it all the time. It's like, definitely become like part of my social circle and social interactions, and uh, de- definitely wouldn't know you and et cetera. Like on Twitter, the big chunk of my Twitter feed is is Dark Souls people. Um, yeah, which which is is a kind of a it's a it's a blessing and a curse. Like it's a curse when <laughs> Namco is like, oh, let's release this game two weeks early, and it's a blessing ninety ninety eight percent of the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh, man. Um, my wife will kill me if I don't mention this. Uh, she's uh, she's not a gamer at all. She she did get into really got into Nidhogg for a little while, uh, but she pretty much doesn't play games. And, uh, but she did start saying the true dark soul starts here. And, uh, <laughs> when I, when I bought dark souls too, I pre-ordered it from Amazon and I took the day off from work. And then I realized that Amazon wasn't going to deliver until 5 PM. So I went to my local GameStop and bought dark souls too. And I came home and Liz had made me a, uh, she'd made me a cup of coffee and she put a, a, a post-it note on it that said Estes flask. Uh, <laughs> that's really and, cute yeah and uh when um and when we got engaged and and sent out wedding in- invitations we put in a you know we put in a, a line that went over the heads of everybody except for like the three or four gamers who got it which was that um we said that we were going to join in jo- jolly cooperation 
Yeah, I'm sure nobody understood what that what that was. Yeah, just a couple a couple people a couple of my uh, a few of my uh, souls friends were there. There's a, I'll send this in for the show notes. There's a photo of us dressed up for the wedding, doing like a line of four of us doing make contact. Yeah, absolutely. If you get you know um, if you can redact any kind of personal information off of the invitation, if you still have one laying around, like take a picture and send that to you. I'll, when I post the show, I'll I'll include it on the Twitter feed and whatnot. Oh, great. Uh- <laughs> If, if you're comfortable with that, you don't have to at all. Yeah, yeah, no, that's totally fine. Um, let me see. I've got I've got a bunch of notes here. Let me see if there's anything important I needed. Um, oh, I had a brilliant moment in the in the Bloodborne DLC that mm-hmm. I thought was scripted, but they had just perfectly timed it right. Where after the Ludwood fight, there's that really creepy hallway. And there's the guy in the chair who's going to shoot at you, and that the that enemy walks towards you. But I miss, I didn't see those guys until I had already walked down the hallway, and I was inside one of the rooms, and the camera was facing on my character, and I could see behind me. And one of those characters walked past the doorway. Oh wow! Perfect horror movie. <laughs> yeah, it was a perfect horror movie jump scare. I was like, oh my god! Uh, Jason walking by the, by the window, right? <laughs> yeah exactly um that's oh another another thing my wife did that was really funny was she came into the room when i was fighting uh for the first time Mm -hmm. and she said i don't think you're ready for that skelly and (laughs) it cracked me up so much that i died (laughs) that's really good (laughs) i don't think you're ready for that skelly could be the name for this podcast (laughs) (laughs) um oh i had i had to have an mri in here's here's a here's a interesting interaction with dark souls i had to have an mri uh a few years back and that if you've ever had an mri it's like uh you're it's claustrophobic and you can't move and it's very loud and uh one of the ways that i dealt with like just being trapped there was i walked through uh, I walked from Firelink Shrine through the Undead Berg in my head because I had I had the whole I had like the 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 level design in, in Dark Souls is such that uh, it's coherent physically. So I was able to just like as a, as a meditation exercise just walk through that terrain uh, to while I was in in that tube for forty five minutes. Just as a way to relax, yeah, yeah, just as a way to relax and take my mind off of things and not not uh not move around well anthony thank you so much for coming on the show and and uh you know sharing your story with me i I really appreciate it can you let everyone know everyone out there know how to find you on the internet and other things that you do um yeah i am i have a terrible twitter name that is garbage and i wish i had picked something different but now that now that i've decided that it's impossible to find a better one so uh uh, I am at APFEID on Twitter. Uh, I am anthonysaunders.bandcamp.com where you can find a bunch of uh, the weird music I make. Talk about uh, your music for a minute because you sent me a link and uh, I've, I've really enjoyed it. Like I've been kind of listening to it while I'm writing stuff or stuff like that. Like it's 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 good. Like I, I really enjoy it. So I, uh, um, this is the thing is when you make experimental music, you hate saying experimental music because what does experimental music mean, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but I make I make 
stuff that is in the lineage of experimental music. I, uh, I uh, pretty much anything that, any kind of music that's abstract or like, like, I, gosh, it's really hard to talk about. Let me, let me. Uh, well, let's do this. Uh, maybe you can, uh, maybe you can pick a track, and then I'll just put the track at, right here at the end of the episode, and they can listen to it themselves. Yeah, I mean, we'll put hydration in. So okay. if, to, I'll talk about this one track. So I made this track that I had taken two overlapping doses of allergy medicine by accident, and I got a horrible migraine. Like I thought I was going to die, um, and I went to an emergency clinic. And they, it was just, I was super dehydrated. So they gave me an intravenous bag uh, and I felt better again and I could eat. Uh, uh, so I came home and I have a modular synthesizer, which is you know, a kind of synthesizer where you bring together a bunch of discrete function groups and you patch them together because it's all, it's all electricity. Everything communicates the, the audio and the, the, like if you want note values, it's all just represented in electricity. Like, voltage amounts uh and i patched together uh this track that i that i released that that sounds like what it felt like to to be suffering from dehydration so we'll put that that piece here uh, so twitter Bandcamp, and where else can they find you uh oh yeah and i have a dark souls tumblr that's kind of slumbering called ageoffire.tumblr.com and I'll include all of that stuff in the show notes so that if people out there can go and click on it if they can, if they want to. As always, I've been your host, Jeremy Greer, at JG Greer on Twitter. You can find the podcast on Twitter at DGUS Podcast. You can also email me your soul story, and I'll bring you on the podcast like we did with Anthony here, um, DGUSPodcast at gmail.com. As always, thanks for listening. Thanks to our guest, Anthony, for coming on. And remember, don't give up, skeleton. Mbasa. Umbasa. <laughs> Umbasa. <laughs> Wait, that's the wrong show, right? Uh, yeah, wrong show. Whoops. Yeah. <laughs>